Good morning. My name's Matthew Capone, and I'm the pastor here at Cheyenne Mountain Presbyterian Church, and it's my joy to bring God's Word to you um, today. Special welcome if you are new or visiting with us. We're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're here not because we're trying to fill seats, but because we're following Jesus together as one community. And as we follow Jesus together, we become convinced that there's no one so good, they don't need God's grace, and no one so bad that they can't have it. And so that's why we come week after week together as one community and hear what God has to say to us in his word, because we know that he has something to say to everyone. We're continuing and coming near to our end of our study in the book of Daniel. And you'll remember that the book of Daniel, it takes place in the late 7th and mainly in the 6th century B.C., And it tells the story of a man named Daniel who's a faithful Israelite living in exile in Babylon. And the book, as I've told you over and over again now, has two purposes. First of all, it is meant to encourage us that no matter how bad things get, God is still in control. He rules and he reigns over the nations. It's meant not only to encourage us, though, but also to instruct us how it is that we as Christians can live faithful lives in a foreign land. And as I've told you over and over, and we're actually going to come to it next week in chapter 11, the book gives its own summary in chapter 11, verse 32, and it tells us that the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And that's our hope as we study this book as well, that we would grow in knowing our God and so that no matter what, we would be able to stand firm and take action. Last week, we finished uh, the second half of chapter 9, and we asked this question, about restoration. How does God answer our prayers for restoration? What does his restoration look like? And we saw uh, two answers. First of all, that God's restoration takes longer than we expect. And the second answer, that God's restoration is better than we expect. It's longer than we expect, and it's better than we expect. So one of those things is good news. um, The other one isn't. And as we think about that, the fact that it takes longer than we want it to take, it raises our question for this week of chapter 10. How do we make it through that long time? What do we do uh, with the sadness and the anger uh, that comes from seeing evil in this world? How do we keep moving knowing that there are many weeks and years and perhaps ages ahead? What do we do with the discouragement that comes from living in an evil world? Some of you, by the way, have told me that you don't even watch the news anymore which I don't necessarily think is the worst idea in the world, but it gives you a picture, right, of how bad things feel at times when we look around um, today in 2021. Uh, Just like last week, we have a lot of things going on in this passage. We're not going to talk about every single one of them unless you wanted to be here until late this evening. And so we're going to keep our focus. Our focus is on that question, and we're going to have two points as we look at it. First, there's great evil, and second of all, there's even greater encouragement. There's great evil, there's even greater encouragement. And so it's with that that we turn now to Daniel chapter 10. I invite you to join me and turn with me either in your worship guide or in your physical Bible or on your phone. No matter where you turn, remember that this is God's word. God tells us that his word is more precious than gold, even the finest gold. And it is sweeter than honey, even honey that comes straight from the honeycomb. And so that's why we read now Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2, 
In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days." For the vision is for days yet to come. Verse 15. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains that have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Verse 18. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Verse 20. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your, your prince. I invite you to pray with me as we come to this portion of God's word. Our Father in heaven, we uh, praise you and thank you again that as we live in this world and we face and see all kinds of evil. We know that we're not alone, that you are with us. You're with us by your presence and your spirit, and you're also with us by your word, which you give to us, just like you gave to Daniel. And so we ask this morning uh, that you would do that very thing, that you'd make your words clear to us, that you'd remind us of the reality of this world, and you'd also remind us of your grace and your love for us. And we ask that you would do this, not because we've earned it or because we deserve it, but because we ask it in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, when I was 
in college, there's a movie that came out that many of you may be familiar with in 2008 called The Hurt Locker. And The Hurt Locker tells the story of this bomb disposal unit during the second year of the war in Iraq. And their job is to go around and deal with IEDs and explosives, which you can imagine is a very dangerous um, sort of job. And if you remember, if you've seen the movie, you know that the opening um, starts out with them working safely to try to detonate um, this bomb. But the problem is there's someone with a cell phone who's able to detonate it before they're able to make it harmless. And so as we watch, there's this, the man, right? The man who's supposed to be close to it. He has the full bomb uh, suit on. Looks like he's a space uh, a, um, astronaut. He's got his full helmet and all the padding to protect him from the shrapnel. And he's sprinting away from this bomb as all his comrades are yelling at him to get away. And while he's running, there's a man putting in this number onto a cell phone to make it explode. Now, he gets out of what we might call uh, the blast radius. He gets out of where the smoke and the shrapnel are flying. And we see him clearly. So he isn't hidden by all those things. But as the bomb goes off, He's not able to get far enough away, and so we see him thrown forward by the force of the explosion. It's not the shrapnel that he has to worry about. It's the shockwave that's coming out. If you know you've seen the movie, you watch the rocks on the ground rise up. Um, There's this car that has rust on it, and the rust just comes off the car. Not because the bomb has hit it, but because it's in the presence of the shockwave. There's this force that comes out that's pushing everything back. The point here is this, we don't have to be hit by shrapnel to be blown back by the explosive force of something. It might be true of a great fire or a great explosion. The same here is what's true for Daniel. Daniel is knocked down by the shockwave of evil. He's knocked down by the shockwave of evil. He doesn't even have to be in the midst of it to experience the power and the effect of it. He's blown back by the evil in this world. We see in the very beginning of uh, chapter 10, there's a word that comes that we're told is going to be about a great conflict. And we understand from chapter 11 where this word is given, this is telling us about these wars um, that are meant to come. And of course, Daniel already knows from previous chapters what's going to happen in the future for his people. We saw that in chapter nine, chapter eight, there's persecution and suffering that is coming in the years ahead. Not only does Daniel know about the evil that's going to come in the future, um, he also knows about evil that's happening right now. So we're told again in chapter 1, it's the third year of Cyrus of Persia. Cyrus is the one who allows the Israelites to return to rebuild the city in Jerusalem. Now there's lots of excitement in 539 when this happens, that they're going to be able to have their city again. Three years in, however, things are not going well. If you were with us at the beginning of 2019, you'll remember we went through the book of Nehemiah together. And the book of both Ezra and Nehemiah talk about this return to try to rebuild the temple. Three years in, things are going very poorly. You'll remember there's all sorts of opposition to the point that Nehemiah has his men always carry swords with them when they're rebuilding the temple. And so Daniel feels this discouragement. He feels the evil in the future. He knows the evil in the present. This is most likely why he's fasting, by the way. We see this in verses um, 2 and 3. He is trying to figure out what in the world is happening. There was this excitement, this joy about the return. And yet this longer-than-expected restoration is happening immediately. Daniel is feeling the weight and the effects of evil. Literally, it strikes him down. We're told four times that he has no strength. 
in his fasting. Um, he gives up food. He's mourning. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell here in this translation. It says he did not anoint himself at all, which is a fancy way of saying that Daniel gave up his hand and his face lotion. Remember, Daniel's living in the desert here. He decides he's going to let his skin be dry and cracked for three weeks. That's part of his way of fasting before the Lord. And so as he looks at these struggles of his people far away and the struggles of the future, Daniel is overwhelmed by the evil that he sees. We're told in verse 8 twice, he has no strength. Verses 16 and 17, we're told twice, Daniel has no strength. You might even think literally, Daniel is blown back. He is wrecked as he looks at the evil of the world around him. And so, brothers and sisters, I would suspect at times, if you're not numbing yourself, if you look around at the evil and the wickedness of this world, you also feel overwhelmed and exhausted. That's how Daniel felt. That's how we often feel as well. Maybe you feel like you have no strength. We're told four times, Daniel felt like he had no strength. He literally needed this angel to touch him on the lips that he'd be able to stand up. And we understand the evil that he sees is not just the evil in the future. It's not just the evil faced by his people back in Jerusalem. He has this unveiling of the cosmic reality that causes him, this is his tiredness in verses 16 and 17, to fall down. We're told in verses 12 um, and 13 that this angel who comes to him has been delayed because he's been fighting other angels. So there's this spiritual war that's going on that probably Daniel doesn't normally see. We today don't normally see, but there's an invisible cosmic spiritual reality, exactly what we read about in Ephesians, or in Ephesians chapter 6, where there are these powers, what we call in the heavenly places, who are fighting each other. This angel, is, this good angel is fighting evil angels, and then we're told in verse 13 there's a, a prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, we understand what's being said here about this prince of the kingdom of Persia is that there's an angel who represents the kingdom of Persia. We find out there's another angel who represents a nation. Um, in verse 20, the prince of Greece is going to come. In other words, there are good angels and there are evil and wicked angels. These evil angels and these wicked angels are fighting each other in this war in heaven that affects the events that happen here on earth. Now, this may sound a little strange to you. This is something uh, people in the West don't like to talk about, the reality of spiritual warfare and conflict, and yet we know this is not just something in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. That's the reason we read from Ephesians chapter 6 earlier. Verse 12 tells us that there are these powers that are coming after each other. And so Daniel is seeing, he's not just overwhelmed by what he sees on earth, He's also overwhelmed by what this angel tells him is going on in heaven. And in fact, things are so bad, verse 20, that this angel has to go back and keep fighting against the prince of Persia. And so we'll come to this in a minute. Part of what we see here is that it matters to God so much that Daniel's prayer be answered that an angel leaves a critical fight simply to deliver a message of encouragement to him. Brothers and sisters, the point is this. There are real and evil and powerful demonic forces in this 
world. There is evil so great and so real that if we had to face it alone by ourselves, if we saw its full reality without any help from our God, it would push us over. It would destroy us. Evil, had a teacher one time tell me this in high school, good, God's goodness is even greater than we can imagine. The wickedness and evil in this world is also greater than we can imagine. There is a spiritual war going on in this world. And so like Daniel, we at times feel that sadness, that discouragement, that defeat. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. And we see it not as the war between Maybe this prince here and the angel of Persia or Greece, but we still have incredible wickedness. We see the destruction, the needless destruction of American cities. We see the gathering of white supremacists. We see the reality of human trafficking. We see the celebration of sexual perversion and anarchy by governments and corporations. We see people who call evil good and good evil. We watch the news, right, and more and more people will say things like, I'm not sure if what I'm watching is real or if it's a parody because the things that happen in the world around us seem so unbelievable and ridiculous. Daniel here is not just facing general evil. He's facing a specific kind of evil, the evil that's against God's people, against Israel, both in Jerusalem and in the war between these angels. We too see not just the general evil in the world, but also the attacks that come against God's people and his church. Whether it's pastors in Canada who are in prison for holding worship services, whether it's the targeting of Christians in the West who are trying to have foster and adoption agencies, whether it's doctors who are targeted and pressured to perform things that are wicked and evil and destructive. We also see the presence of demonic and evil forces in this world. Now, if this feels heavy, it's meant to. I'm pushing you a little bit to feel the weight of wickedness here. There's a weight of evil that that Daniel feels here. There's a weight of evil that I want us to feel as well because it's the backdrop, it's the introduction, it's the background we need to understand and see God's grace in this passage. And so there is the very real presence of evil. Thankfully, it's not the only thing that's present here. We see not just great evil, but also even greater encouragement. Remember, I told you that this angel leaves a critical battle just for the sake of encouraging Daniel. He could be continuing this fight. He's left Michael to fight on his own. Um, by the way, we don't, we're not told a lot I'm about the the angel Michael here in this section. If you look at Michael throughout uh, all of the Bible, you will understand that Michael is one of the most powerful angels. Michael is part of Delta Force when it comes to the angels. He's an SF guy. If you want to have an angel on your side, you definitely want Michael fighting for you. And so the reason his name comes up, that by itself should be encouragement to Daniel, right? There's great evil. Also, Michael's at work. This lesser angel, though, has been sent to help and encourage Daniel. And so we see in verse 10 and verse 19, he says the same thing um, to him. This, Dan- this angel in verse 10 touches him, uh, excuse me, verse 11, and tells him, O Daniel, man greatly loved. O Daniel, 
man greatly loved. And then after he tells him about the conflict between the angels, verse 19, we see the same thing. And he said, O man, greatly loved. And there's a surprise here for us because as Daniel sees how bad the world is, we might expect this angel to tell him a prophecy about the future. We might expect this angel to tell him about how powerful God is, right? We've talked about that before in earlier chapters. But instead, what happens here is something counterintuitive. This angel wants to make sure, first of all, Daniel knows that he's loved. He is loved by God. Christian, the same is true for you. No matter what is going on in the world, no matter how bad things get, yes, God is still in control. He rules and reigns over the nations. And he loves you. You are not just some simple pawn in the midst of the cosmic battle of spiritual forces. No, you are someone chosen, picked, and loved by God. He is with you, and he's present. That's the first thing this angel wants Daniel to know. Now, I mentioned this to you all the way back, for those of you who are old-timers, all the way back in December of 2019. um, I gave you this illustration, so I'm going to tell it to you again. I apologize, but I'm in no way sorry. And I told you um, about the cartoon, one of my favorite cartoons from Peanuts by Charles Schultz, which if you're younger, you may not even remember that. I was young enough to be alive when Charles Schultz retired, so one of our fun things growing up, there were these things called newspapers, they were physical, um, and when we got them on the weekends, there'd be the comic pages. And I told you about this one cartoon from 1976, and Charlie Brown um, is talking with his friend, Peppermint Patty, and she asks him this question. She says, what do you think security is, Chuck? That's what she calls Charlie Brown. He says, security, question mark. Security is sleeping in the back seat of the car. When you're a little kid and you've been somewhere with your mom and dad and it's night and you're riding home in the car, you can sleep in the back seat. You don't have to worry about anything. Your mom and dad are in the front seat and they do all the worrying. They take care of everything. And Peppermint Patty says, that's real neat. Brothers and sisters, Daniel is living in the night. There is great evil that is all around him, and he knows his father is the one driving. It's not just that God is in control, it's that God is the one who's with him. You are deeply loved by God. This war that is being fought by these angels, the spiritual battles that continue now, they are fought for you. We see this love that God has also in the way he responds to Daniel's prayers. Right, Verse 12, this angel tells him, hey, by the way, it might seem like you've been praying for a long time with no answer. Actually, you've been heard from the first day you started praying. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard. God has heard you from the very beginning. It might look like God is not at work. It may look as if he has forgotten. It may look as if he is powerless. And the exact opposite is true. He is hearing us in our prayers immediately. 
just like Daniel. And now, I'll say this again for the third time, verse 20. Remember, this angel says, I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. He left Michael to fend for himself because it was so important to God that Daniel know that he was loved. That's how much God's love is meant to encourage us and support us. The reality around Daniel has not changed because this, Dan, this angel has showed up. His perspective has. The reality around Daniel has not changed. His perspective has. He knows that God is present and at work and cares. It might seem when you're praying alone that your words are disappearing and have no effect. But in fact, the opposite is true. Just because you don't see anything changing now does not mean God's not at work. Just because you don't see anything changing now does not mean that God is not at work. If you look and see the instability and chaos and violence around the world, remember, you are greatly loved. God hears your prayers and he answers them. As you struggle to respond to lies that you're told to believe at work, remember, you are greatly loved. God hears your prayers and he answers them. As you try to figure out how to guide your children through the landmines of this world and you feel alone without help, remember, you are greatly loved. God is at work. He hears your prayers. As you watch and pray for your adult children and grandchildren and you wonder what's going to happen, remember, you are greatly loved. God hears your prayers and he answers them. As you watch the moral fabric of the Western world continue to unravel, Remember, you are greatly loved. There is great evil in this world. There's also even greater encouragement. Now, it's wonderful um, to be loved. It's wonderful to know that God's with us. It's also certainly not enough, right? We can think of people in our lives who love us. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're capable of protecting us. But we find out here that God does much more than love. His love shows up in specific ways. He loves us, and it's accompanied by power. Not only is Daniel told twice that he is greatly loved, he's also told twice not to fear. Verse 12, then he said to me, fear not. Verse 19, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. We talked in our series in the book of 1 Peter many times about Corey Ten Boom, who lived through um, a Nazi concentration camp, and she was famous for saying that there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. We might say here, we might change that a little bit and say, there's no power so great that God is not more powerful. There's no power so great that God is not more powerful. There's nothing to be afraid of, Daniel. Fear not, God is at work. This battle is being fought, and in a sense, you're not even involved. God has given it to his angels and ultimately to his son. We'll return again uh, to this cartoon. I emphasize the presence uh, of the parents in the car. Remember, Charlie Brown also says this. You don't have to worry about anything. Your mom and dad are in the front seat, and they do all the worrying. They take care of everything. 
we know driving at night, there are many dangerous things that can happen. And the driver's the one who takes responsibility. We know as we live in this world, there are many terrifying and wicked things that can happen. And it's the driver, our Father God, who takes responsibility. In the midst of great evil, fear not. Our God is in the front seat. He is driving. He is the one who knows the future, as we've seen over and over again here in Daniel. And he takes care of everything. Many scary things happen on the road. And we know the one driving. He's with us. He's powerful. And he's control. Of course, there's not just scary things that happen. There's many things that happen that make us angry, right? And often being angry is just an easy way to avoid feeling scared or overwhelmed. And yet that's what Daniel feels here. He knows how terrifying the things in this world are. Now Daniel has this greater encouragement. We have an encouragement that's even more than what Daniel received because we have received more. Living many years after Daniel, we have seen the fulfillment of these things and we have a more powerful encouragement. Daniel received an angel who was able to be delayed by 21 days, right? So this angel's powerful. He's also able to be delayed. We have received not an angel to show us God's presence and power with us. We have received his very son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh as a real person to show us God's presence with us, to show us that God loves us and he's with us. Matthew chapter 1 tells us they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. In other words, as much as you might like for an angel to show up to you like one did to Daniel, you actually have something better. You have our Lord Jesus who came and lived life on this earth. The angel tells Daniel that he's greatly loved. Now it's great um, to be told by an angel you're loved, We have even more. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, again, has told us himself that he loves us. John chapter 15, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We know God's love now. We know that his power is at work in the world. He has already defeated all the powers of evil in this world. We know that he did it when our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and he took the penalty for our sins that we deserve, that is death, and he gave us the credit of his life, that is righteousness. And we know at that time he put, what the Bible says, all things under his feet. In other words, Jesus has power and control over the demonic and evil forces of this world because he has conquered them once and for all. And so that's what we confessed earlier this morning when we read our catechism question, that he has conquered all his and our enemies. And so not only has it defeated the powers of evil, but it also comes with his presence to us. Even as Jesus is not with us physically, he has told us that having the Holy Spirit with us is even better. Because while Jesus as a man could only be in one place at one time, the Spirit is able to encourage all of us 
together, reminding us of God's love for us and his presence with us. And as I've encouraged you to look at this cartoon and see it as the encouragement to us as well, there's, there's an ending that I haven't yet read to you. Peppermint Patty says, that's real neat. And then Charlie Brown warns her, but it doesn't last. Suddenly you're grown up and it can never be that way again. Suddenly it's over and you'll never get to sleep in the back seat again. Never. Never, says Peppermint Patty. Charlie Brown, absolutely never. Brothers and sisters, as children, there is a time when we grow up and our parents' protection is no longer there. As sons and daughters of our Father God, that is not true. His presence with us, his power that protects us never goes away. We never stop being his children who look to him in reliance and trust. It is over for Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown, but not for us. God's love and his care continue forever. It is true now, and it is true in the future. And so we have Jesus' words to us in John chapter 16. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I will kick you out of the car, and you will be on your own. No, take heart. I have overcome the world. And then the author of the Gospel of John also tells us in a letter, his first letter, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So what do we do with the discouragement that comes from living in a wicked world? We know that God is with us now because he loves us. We know that God defeated evil for us, and so he protects us. I invite you to pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we um, thank you and praise you uh, that no matter how bad things get in this world, we know that you aren't just powerful, you don't just protect us, but you're also with us. You encourage us and sustain us. And so we praise you for that and we ask for more of it, that you would give us your spirit, you'd pour it out on these people here in this room, that they would know your love and your grace and your support and your encouragement, that as we walk forward in evil in this world, we would know we don't have to worry about anything because you are the one who is driving the car. We thank you that we're in that car, and we thank you that it's because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we ask all of these things in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand for our closing hymn.